0: How was the transition from being the president of business development for Flyer Enterprises to answering telephones for Google? Was, was uh, that challenging for you?
1: Welcome to the Business Class Podcast, where we dive into conversations with alumni, students, faculty, and staff from the University of Dayton School of Business Administration. You'll hear career advice, conversations about ethical decision-making in business, and listen to stories from life on the UD campus. Here's your host, Dean Trevor Collier.
0: On this first podcast today, we're joined by 2016 UD SBA graduate Christian Santiago. Chris currently serves as the global business strategy lead at Google and was recently named to the University of
1: Dayton Board of Trustees. Uh, Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Thank you for the invitation. And I'll I'll tell listeners if you hear me calling uh, Dean Collier T. Uh, that is a, a sign of admiration and respect uh, from when I was a student. So, uh, so y- y- you, you've short, shared some news there, right? So Chris was a, a student of mine uh, your first year uh, here at UD, right? Principles of Microeconomics. Principles of Microeconomics. It was the, the Business and barrenness Values Learning Living Community uh, course. So it was pretty cool from the get-go. We all know that community's big at UD. And it was like in the door, like you have a, a community within a community uh, for your classes, so it was a, an awesome way to start.
0: Do you happen to remember how many students
1: were, uh, were in that living learning community? I wanna say 20, 25, and then we also lived on the same, well, on two floors and Founders. Um, so I remember the the girls' floor was one South and the boys' floor was two South. Um, and I, I do remember it was a Tuesday, 10, 30 a.m. class. I don't know why that, <laughs> that sticks in my memory, um, but it was really cool. Because we would, you know, talk about it in the classroom and then every now and then we would go like do the homework together. Um, or I remember we had a debate in class and we would talk about that like amongst ourselves uh, before, before we went to the classroom, which was really cool. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's not like we were discussing macroeconomics in Founders Hall all day long, but uh, it gave us a good space to, to discuss when we wanted to.
0: I remember your group well. It was it was a good cohort. Uh, I was one of the one of the first ones, and uh, unfortunately, when I when I took over as department chair for for economics and finance, I had to give that course up. Uh, so I'm I'm no longer involved in the living learning community. Uh, but Barbara John is t- taking that over very very admirably, uh, and she she's tweaked it a little bit. It's now called uh, business ethics and environmental sustainability. So she calls it BEES, B E.
1: I was going to say that's the most Barbara John thing I think I've, <laughs> I've ever heard. I and, but
0: you'll love to hear there are, I believe there are 70 students in it oh, wow. in this this fall coming in. So it, it's really grown. It, it's been very successful. Oh, I love it. Well, so Chris, uh, you are originally from Puerto Rico, uh, which is a, a place very, very close to my heart. My, my wife and I were married there. Uh, so if we back up a little bit further, uh, how did you... Hear about UD and and what really drew you to to leave your home and, and come to Ohio to, to go to college?
1: Yeah, um, I know you haven't talked about this. We're pretty, I'm we're pretty sure we were in the same hotel on the same day during your during your wedding week because uh, I had my prom um, and I think it was like a day or two before your wedding. So I have this thought in my head that we crossed paths, and so <laughs> kind of this dynamic was meant to be. Um, but yeah, born and raised in Puerto Rico, I went to Marianas High School and. Um, as we know, UD is a Marianist University, so it's a really strong connection between Colegio San Jose um, and UD. So I think that was a, an important you know, first piece of information almost. I think second, I knew that I wanted a new experience. I wanted a new space. To be frank, I, UD was never the top of my list, uh, but the way things worked out, um, it led me on that path. Um, and I think a couple people to shout out, um, including Rob Durkle, uh, who was in admissions for almost 40 years at UD. He's now a uh, director of admissions over at Wright State. Um, but it felt throughout the entire process that UD really wanted me to be there. Like Rob would go out of his way to talk about the experiences I could have on campus, help with financial aid, and just anything else um, that I needed help with. Um, and my And it also happened that my best friend, Ended up going to Dayton as well, and I I'll always remember this story. I wanted to go to actually Illinois at Urbana-Champaign from the schools that I that I got into, and he wanted to go to University of Florida, and somehow two Puerto Ricans wanted to go to big public institutions, but ended up in a small private, well, medium private university in the middle of Ohio. Um, but looking back at it, at this point, eight nine years out, uh, absolutely zero regrets. Well, you, you can call us
0: medium, but we're the largest private school in Ohio, so we're we're not we're not too small. Uh, I, I think you both. I think you're both better off uh, at UD than than at Illinois or or Florida. You guys
1: would have gotten lost there, right? I know, I know, and I think that that became a big important core uh, of my UD experience. It was like the business uh, learning living community and establishing that freshman year. Uh, the strong population of Puerto Ricans. I think Dayton recruits the second most amount of students from Puerto Rico in the U.S. I think Syracuse is first. Um, so I had that community as well, and then other communities that I built over time. Um, just me and my—it really anchored my experience, and it never, in a good way, made me feel alone. I don't always had someone whether it was students, faculty, staff—that um, I can go and um, ask for support when I needed it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think speak, speaking with you and, and many of our other Puerto Rican students, I, I know way more about the politics of, of Puerto Rico as a, as a territory versus being a state or being its own independent entity. Uh, that's for a whole other podcast. World.
1: Exactly. That one. That one we will skip for today, but come back. To- <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, so thinking about you, you you, you landed here. Uh, you know, you were somebody who was really involved in, in campus life. But um, before we talk about campus life, are there any faculty or or any courses that you remember that were really impactful uh, on on your life or or on the the trajectory you took in, in your in your career? And, you know, you don't have to talk all about me, but,
1: uh, you know. I was going to say, I'll make you the, <laughs> the smallest portion of this answer, but definitely this was for the reasons that we've discussed. Um, and I remember the first thing you talked about in class was getting made in Puerto Rico. Um, so the fact that we made just that connection off the top uh, was important. And then, you know, you were very helpful in helping me get into Google, uh, writing letters of recommendation, uh, telling me, like, why did you not include this in, in any of your materials? I will include it for you. Don't mess up next time. Um so, I think that was important. I think uh, two other professors, one Dr. Joe Castellano from accounting, um, outside of his big personality, uh, sending people to Disney and sending people to go fly a kite. Uh, I think his course on uh, managerial accounting and learning you know, the idea of systems um, is important for the way that I think I tackle a lot of things in life. Let it be just my day to day, let it be work, and understanding that nothing is in a silo at the end of the day. Um, And once you start understanding things in a silo, then you start understanding how something, how different pieces balance each other. So, you know, if you're thinking about a business, uh, maybe you have one business unit that is losing money, but because it helps this other business unit make double the amount of revenue, double the amount of profit or any other metric, um, it's net-net good for the business. Um, So I think definitely important on that, uh, Dr. Paul Sweeney, Management 301, he was very supportive of my Fire Enterprises experience, which I assume we'll get into at some point. Um, and as we were discussing topics around behavior, how do you build organization, how do you build culture, uh, he would really push me to lean the learnings on the uh, Flyer Enterprises, uh, which I think is the epitome of experiential learning at, at um, Dayton. Right? You actually take a course on it, uh, and then you apply real time. Uh, so that was super important. And then not uh, faculty, but staff, Brad Balzer, and and advising uh, primarily for making sure I take the right courses at the right time, um, and also um, making sure that I can get into uh, the courses that I really, really wanted. I think that type of support and everything else that he did for me um, throughout my years uh, was extremely important, not only to be able to uh, graduate and get a great experience at UD, um, but to make sure that I took advantage of everything that the SBA had to offer. So I think that's a little simple a couple of the professors in SAT.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. And 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 that provides a nice segue into my next question on Flyer Enterprises. For those of you listening who may be unfamiliar with the acronyms we use in this conversation, UD means University of Dayton, SBA means School of Business Administration, and FE means Flyer Enterprises. But could you tell us more? You, you were really involved in, in in Flyer Enterprises while you were at UD. Uh, can you maybe tell us some of the roles you had and, and how those roles impacted your your career after UD?
1: Yeah, so Flyer Enterprises first, what is it? It's a $1.2 million business um, encompassed of 10 divisions and about 180 uh, employees. Everyone from the frontline folks to the CEO is a student. Um, so imagine a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds making hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of decisions on a day-to-day basis. So thank you UD for letting us take that risk. Um, My experience, I I got hired going to my second semester freshman year, um, quickly moved up to be the operations manager for uh, The Blend, which is Flagship Coffee Shop. It was the first fire enterprise business. um, So manage 18 baristas on day-to-day operations, uh, so, freshman to, sorry, sophomore to junior year, moved to be president of coffee. So I built a cross functional team of marketing, operations, finances, uh, human resources to lead both our coffee shops, the Blend and the Blind Express. And then my final year, I was president of business development, which I, uh, it was a very ambiguous role in a really good way because it let me turn to what I wanted and it basically became a dual uh, chief operating and chief marketing officer role. Um, so I think that's kind of the, the path of roles that I took, I think uh, involved in the, is an understatement. I would say I probably spend more time doing things within Flyer Enterprises um, than my coursework. Fortunately, I still got a get GPA, so I think worked out in the end. Um, but I think you, Effie taught me really good lessons and it had really tough lessons along the way. Uh, one step bit of a good lesson is taking opportunities uh, on folks. Obviously, we were a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds making decisions. so. At the end of the day no one was an expert in anything right no one actually knew operations no one knew marketing um but if you you can identify it helped me learn how to identify talent if you have the right mindset versus skill set at the end of the day especially in a situation like that it's important to take that risk um so i remember hiring um for my for my marketing role um her name is gabby Casaldo, she's class of 17 um and she had not worked at The Blend, had just recently joined Fire Enterprises, but I remember her walking up and saying, I want a challenge, and uh, I kind of feel like I want that challenge with you, uh, was important. And she ended up having a great career in Fire Enterprises as well. Um, on the tough lessons, I, I call it my first corporate heartbreak. Um, I went up for the CEO position, I, I did not get it. Um, and I just remember having you know, that kind of, like, how did this happen? I worked so hard for three years, blood, sweat, and tears. Um, but knowing that, it, you know, one, these decisions are made. They're made by other folks, and you have to trust the process that uh, was in place. But then, two, um, it's what, do you, what does one do with that news? Uh, do I think I should have been CEO? Yes. And I will say that on this podcast, and maybe some of my FE alumni <laughs> hear that. It uh, shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Um, but then I got the President of Business Development opportunity and I worked on a lot of the initiatives that I had in my CEO plan um, through that role. Um, and I remember the core of it was making the entire organization feel they were part of Flyer Enterprises. Because uh, before that, they felt like they were part of the shill, which was the smoothie shop or the galley, the ice cream shop. I wanted them to understand there's a lot more of us and I don't think it should take until we're all execs to start working across the missions. Um, so it still gave me that opportunity. I think the biggest lesson there kind of for my life is when I get a no, uh, it's what do I do from there? And sometimes I will get a no and move on, um, but I think in that lesson, definitely taught me the value of uh, getting a no, but still being able to impact um, the organization. And I'll use a lot of the skills that I learned in flower Enterprises nowadays um, in my job. So it was overall uh, an amazing experience.
0: I think you know we when we talk about FE with prospective students, we often describe the the path from barista to CEO, right? But really, really only one student every four years get, gets to have that exact path, right? It's a really difficult path to to achieve, and you know I, I think, but sometimes you know I wouldn't call this a failure, but but not getting what you want is is uh, is a great learning experience, you know I. I I still have rejection letters from graduate school
1: um,
0: for schools that, that said, no, you're not good enough to, to come here and get a PhD. And I stuck them in a folder and, and held on to them. Uh, and when I started school, I actually pinned them uh, up behind my computer uh, on the wall to remind that was my motivation to prove that I that I can do it. Uh, and, and so some sometimes those things help people, sometimes they hurt people. Um, but I think if you can use that. And, and build on it, it's really, really valuable. It sounds like you, you've done a really excellent job. of.
1: Yeah. And, and here you are now as interim dean of the School of Business, <laughs> right? The, the, it led you in a path. And that's the other thing I think about is how different uh, my experience would have been if I had gotten CEO. Uh, I think in short, I would have had to deal a lot more with uh, university administration. Uh, versus in my role, I just did what I, what I wanted to do. And fortunately, the, the CEO was supportive. Uh, the work that I was doing, so I got to do what I felt impacted the business without having to deal with um, some of the the administrative tasks associated with uh, with being CEO. But totally, totally agree um, that it's not necessarily failure, but it's a new it's a new doors that were open that you never thought would be.
0: I, I've got a list of questions here, and I'm going to jump out of order because you you made a nice segue there. You didn't have to deal with UD administration, uh, you know, in, in not being the CEO of, of of FE, but now you do. Now you've you've taken on a role on the on the board of trustees where you're you're front and center dealing with UD's administration uh, on a on a on a regular basis. So tell us tell us how that came about. How did how did the, the conversation even start for you joining the board, and, and what are you excited uh, with with this new this new role?
1: That, that is a great segue that I would have never thought of of my own, <laughs> if I was thinking about this. Um, but yeah, I think it, you know I'll, I'll start with a huge uh, chatter out and thank you to Jen, How and Eric Spina for the opportunity, um, how it came about as you mentioned, I was very involved on campus and I dealt with university administration in other ways. I was a president's emissary, uh, got to, you know, work with Dr. Dan and a few things. Uh, so it wasn't that I was trying to avoid the university, let me be clear for anyone listening. Um, but I remember I, I was very keen on staying involved in some way, shape or form. And I heard there was this conference uh, for alumni where the university would pay for them to go back. So as soon as I learned about that and those opportunities, I was like, ooh, that's a really cool way to get a free trip to Dayton. Um, but I, even though it, a little bit of the anchor was on that piece, it wasn't until I was in the role that I really saw um, the opportunity that I had to influence the university. So I joined as a day 10 reps so of DAY and the number 10, uh, which is a young alumni uh, committee that sits in advancement. So it's a representative from each. Um, of the last ten graduating classes, so I joined as a 2016 rep, and I joined at a time where Eric was coming into his role as president. Jen was Jen Hao, who's the VP of Advancement, was coming to her role. Um, so it felt almost like a new version of my UD experience, because they had, you know, in a good way, very different plans from where the university was going. Uh, so I spent two years as the 2016 um, alumni rep. Then I moved to chair of uh, day ten, so I sat on the university alumni board. Um, and it gave me, I think, just really good visibility, really good opportunity to to think about how was the university engaging with young alumni. Um, and our generation broadly, obviously, has uh, different perceptions of what it means to give financially to university. Um, at you know, we were very intentional on day ten and bringing that forward. Is you know, the ang- the first anchor may not be the financial anchor, but if we work on these other types of initiatives and show this other value of what a lifelong UG education can mean for young alumni, then there'll probably be some support uh, that comes through. And even if there isn't, um, that fire spirit that we all have, it's important to keep that candle burning for, for time. Um, so I that was like a total four-year experience, and I felt like I got a lot about it, and huge uh, shout out there to like Nina Brothers, Colleen Oaks, um, and other folks in Advancement who were supportive of Creating the structure so that we can bring the ideas. When I was stepping off, I- let, me, let me
0: jump. Let me jump in real quick. I want to. Yeah. You made a nice, a nice, a nice uh, spot for me to give a plug for uh, for annual giving, right? So
1: there we go. You know, y-
0: young alumni, they're not get. You know, they're not going to name the school business. By the way, somebody out there wants to name the school business, uh, please send me an email. We'll we'll, we'll get that taken care of. Um, but young alumni aren't going to give large amounts of money, but it's still important to give small amounts, right? If you take everybody that graduates and, and they're given a small amount that, that adds, that, that adds up and, and then collectively provides an impact and creates new initiatives and new programs that we can offer for our students. It also keeps you engaged. And, and so as your, uh, ability to, to give grows, you can make a bigger impact, uh, financially to, to the university. So I know, I know you, I know you made a gift to, uh, one day, one day, and, uh, I would encourage others when that comes around in, in 2022 to please participate.
1: Uh yeah, I was I was going to say I think that that type of engagement we can see like the collective power of a gift. So for example, I think last day 10 we had about 6,000 donors, almost 2.8 million in gifts. Um you yeah, know, the 6,000 donors collectively are now creating an amazing experience for all um for like a bunch of students because 2.8 million can go a long way um at the university. So I think how how could we as Dayton give our insights and our thoughts to the university and how to best shape that conversation, how to best share? Like, what does it mean to donate financially? Um, what does it mean to track the impact of a gift? Um, I've only helped double alumni participation rate. So I'm always a, like a what impact did I drive kind of guy. So like from when I started to when I left my day 10 position, we doubled um, alumni participation rate for young alumni, which is like a huge win it's still a lot of opportunities for young alumni to engage. Um, but even working through that at the, at the outset with this new leadership at UD um, was a huge win. <clears throat> so I was at an event in San Francisco for alumni. And Jen and Eric were there. And uh, Jen how looks at me and she tells me, you're not going to be a volunteer anymore. What is going on? And what can I do? <laughs> I said, uh, you know, it's been amazing for years. I have got a lot out of it. There's a couple other different things in, uh, you know, extracurriculars that I, want, that I want to get involved with. Um, and I think she kind of half jokingly said like, Oh, well, get you on the board of trustees, haha. And I was like, ha, well, <laughs> that sounds like, you know, so they'll be interesting. And I think for me, uh, without having built the connection, the relationship and showing my skill sets for the past four years, obviously that conversation would be a lot different. Um, but then it basically takes about a year and change, probably, between like initial first, like is this even something you would consider to then getting uh, nominated and whatnot. Um, so what tactically happened, at, as the university announced, they created two recent alumni trustee positions. Uh, so these are folks that graduated between, that, between three and eight years um, from their service time on the board. So it's myself and Lyric Fields, who I believe is class of 18. Uh, who will be joining us as the first two recent alumni trustees. And our angle and then my, my goal at the end of the day is how can we give the university almost a real-time thoughts on what's going on with young alumni so we can change the system back to Dr. Benzolano. It isn't just career services. It isn't just ESBA. It isn't just student uh, the student division. Um, it's everyone coming together to give an experience. Um, so we're I know Larry and myself will be very uh, intentional of how we're sharing our thoughts and feedback uh, to impact the young alumni community as much as we can. We know we do not represent everyone, um, but I'm just very excited to, to get it started. It's a four-year appointment, so I'll be back on campus a few times. Um, and really, at the outset, make an impact for young alumni, and make an impact for current students. If we can tell, you know, we have this conversation, but I can tell you, hey, T, uh, data analytics is growing in importance every day, um, actually, which is actually true. I don't feel like I love the, the strongest data analytics skills from UD, but now have them. Like, how can we bring that into the curriculum more? And even leaving that little nugget, hopefully it, it's enough for um, some conversation to have. And even if it takes some time for some, um, you know, good impact exchange, especially if a lot of young alumni um, are talking about
0: that. Well, we, we actually already heard your nugget. And, and so we have a, we have a new master's in business analytics and we there have a go. minor in business analytics that, that we're hoping will will grow into a major. So uh you know thanks that's adding to the to the fire here to help us uh grow grow in that area and uh you know it it, it's it's very obvious you look at any data um you look at research it's showing that there's a strong demand from industry for people with those sets of skills and you know young people uh are are hearing that more and more and so they're they're desiring that that type of education um, so you mentioned San Francisco. Are you got something else you want to share?
1: No, I was going to say, I think that, that's, a, a I think, a really good example of what Lyric and I are hoping to drive. And then and to be clear, just, you know, obviously Lyric and I are on the board, but that doesn't mean you can't reach out to us or any other mis- like miss on the administration or any other professors at UD. I think that's the one thing I took from being a, a volunteer for four years is pretty much anyone's willing to talk to you <laughs> in a good way because of your position. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, whether you're a formal volunteer or whether you're not, um, I think everyone's contact information is available on UD's website. Um, so just reach out because everyone I, I, there's a big willingness to learn uh, from what's going on um, so that UD can keep growing.
0: So you mentioned San Francisco, right? that was where the conversation started for the for the board of trustees. and and I can remember having a conversation with you before you moved to San Francisco uh and so you're obviously there for your role at Google can you tell us a little bit about you know the role you started with in in Google and and, you know what it was like in Ann Arbor and then the decision to to move from Ann Arbor to to San Fran
1: yeah so I started in this pre- my first engagement with Google is a pre internship program for which T wrote my letter of accommodation so uh at nine years out, thank you. And you said something that made them <laughs> wanna look at me. Um, so I spent a week- Sometimes I'm useful. Sometimes, <laughs> every other time's questionable. Um, uh, so I spent a week in Mountain View back then, um, and then that turned to an internship opportunity with Google in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and I remember, it's, looking back at it, I remember being like, hey, can I actually be the Mountain View office? And they said, this is a random thing I think I've I heard, it's like they said, no, because it would not align with UD's class schedule. So I think class started, I don't know, like some August 13th, let's say. Um, and that internship would run to the 21st or something. It was like, we we asked yes, Google will not promote that, but the Ann Arbor one will end like the first week of August. It's like, well, sure, that sounds fun. You know, Bay Area, San Francisco, Mountain View versus Ann Arbor, Michigan. Great town. Go blue. Um, but um, I started in the front lines, really very literally, hi, thanks for calling Google. My name's Chris, who am I speaking with today, um, supporting our top tier um, advertisers in any troubleshooting issues that they had. Um, and I know that it it, it, was, it really was a customer service role but I think it taught me a lot about um, is how to engage, one, with customers, and two, how to understand the company. I mean, I, I would have folks ask themselves, like, how does your company make money? And if you can answer, great. If you can't answer, that might be a sign that there's a little bit of research to be done, but it really helped me understand like, what does it mean for Google to make revenue and what does it mean for Google to stop making revenue because of some either technical issue or policy issue. Um, so it was a really good uh, ground to learn and learn how I would engage in corporate America. We've all been through that transition, it's a weird one. Um, I was, how was the
0: transition from being the president of business development for Flyer Enterprises to, answering telephones for Google. Was, was that uh, challenging for you?
1: It was challenging in terms of like, oh, my God, I used to think about, you know, this revenue impact and how we keep evolving flower enterprises to figuring out a very technical like, hey, your account isn't running because uh, this specific List is not set up properly for your ads, or some detail like that. But uh, what I would say the Ann Arbor office at really well was give different types of leadership opportunities to to folks in my kind of role. Um, so, for example, I led engagement for a new uh, service uh, support system that we had, and activating that amongst our large customer sales team. Um, I coached three interns um, during their summer, so I was in charge of not only their work and their development, but their uh, the recommendation to hire or not hire, so it was really good structure for folks to take a lot of what they learned in college and apply it, especially when they're in their leadership roles. Um, but I remember I got to this point where I felt almost at peace with my experience at, in Ann Arbor. Um, you know, I went through a couple of those big projects, got promoted. Uh, and said, okay, it's time for a new challenge. And I remember applying to basically in-house consulting roles. And I've learned over time for those of, of you listening that are consultants uh, and MBAs, uh, there's a very specific language, <laughs> a very specific way that folks in that field work. Um, and looking back at it, I probably should have never gotten the role, but I said, you know, whatever, let me see what happens. So I applied an in-house consulting role, got it. Um, so I went from answering phones to preparing our, uh, SVP Philip Schindler, um, hey, here is what you should bring up in this meeting. Here's uh, the important pieces for you to know um, and let us know what else you need. So it was a very big shift in terms of stakeholders, very big shift in terms of the day to day. You know, my main project has been how do our cloud and ad sellers work better together, uh, better together for our customers as well. It's a very different set of questions. Um, and I feel my almost Professional maturity has grown a lot by being in this space, um, but I remember even though I was looking for a big challenge, moving to San Francisco was very scary. Uh, going from Puerto Rico to Dayton, you know, Dayton's uh, medium. Are we calling Dayton a medium city or <laughs> are we calling it a small city? I don't know what we're calling it, uh, but uh, definitely uh, uh, not a New York, not a San Francisco. Uh, moved to Ann Arbor, similar not in New York, not in San Francisco. Um, so it was a bit scary, and I was uh, taking on this new challenge, which i didn't been fully equipped for moving to a new city. So I think, frankly, it was rough. Um, I think people usually hear these stories like, it was the greatest, best thing ever. The first year was rough. Uh, I lived in San Francisco, but I worked in Mountain View. That's about an hour and a half commute each day. Um, learning the new consulting MBA-type skills, that was also really hard. Um, and then taking all of that at the same time, it, it was pretty overwhelming. But I think the important things are to anchor on your friends, anchor your family, anchor on communities that you're building, because um, that would make you feel more at peace, more at home. Um, and once I figured out what those communities were, what those groups were, like how I was engaging with my partner, my parents, with my family, uh, being in San Francisco, it became a good experience. And here I am now, um, about two 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 and a half years in, even though I took a, a quick, remote work assignment in Puerto Rico uh, for a couple of months. But outside of that, I have have had a better experience um, in in a big city. So if you're going through that adjustment period and it feels hard, uh, it is hard and that's okay. Um, Make sure you have the right systems in place to, to help you get through it.
0: I started graduate school in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I had gone to undergrad at Center College. It's a small school in Danville, Kentucky, And Danville's population of about 20,000 people. Uh, so my move from Danville to Dallas was, uh, was eye-opening. And, and, and the first year um, was probably the toughest year of my life. Um, so I, I, I feel that pain. I know that experience of going, going from somewhere small where you know everyone to somewhere big and you know no one uh, is, is quite challenging you know you mentioned community as you talked about that that adjustment period you know how did you know your experience in in community at ud or or your you know the experiences with the ud marines charism did did any of that play a role as as you were thinking about your your new location in san francisco
1: yeah i think the, the building community piece uh was an anchor that i, I kind of had in my life but ud very clearly demonstrated so for me um, at google that meant joining the latinx employee resource group uh, it's called ola i think it's hispanic opportunities for leadership and advocacy um, and i think that was important because i ran to a lot of folks that had very similar experiences very similar backgrounds and uh, you know to be clear not everyone's the same but the shared experience and it brings a little almost a sense of peace because it's almost like an immediate joint understanding, um, and I know you know Google and, and companies all over are creating all these types of employee resource groups right? race, gender, uh, status, such as um, uh, being a veteran. And I think creating those spaces um, just brings the conversation almost a little bit closer to life, and it's a good space one to liberate your wins, but to say, hey, I'm kind of running into this. Is anyone else running into this? Um, and obviously, that can vary by community uh, and different groups, but having the constructive space to have that conversation, I think is super important. Um, so you can feel a little bit more at peace and that's obviously at work, but it, it still impl- impacts your day-to-day life. We spend give or take eight hours, 40 hours a week <laughs> at our, our jobs. So I think making sure that we have that at work is very important. And I think the other piece is that joining those groups usually also give good opportunities. So I've been you know, very fortunate to uh, help with Hispanic serving institutions, uh, and recruiting students from those in the Hispanic Serving Institution. It's 25% or more of the student population identifies as Hispanic or Latinx. Um, I got to run a student leadership summit in Puerto Rico uh, and all these opportunities without this community probably would have never happened. Um, and I know you asked about the, the Marinus charism. So I, having gone to um, uh, to Marinus High School and Marinus College, I felt I definitely got a really good good study in Marinus education. Um, and for me, one of the big pieces that, that has stuck with me is uh, Rammarianist education is educate for adaptation and change. Uh, the world is changing very quickly. You can imagine that the speed of tech is changing even faster. So th- having that mindset of being able to be adaptable, being able to pivot quickly into a different space, or almost scrap your entire project plan or entire idea or something else, because what the business really needs in the moment, I think that, that's a piece that really stays with me. Um, that, has, that, that ability has stayed with me over the last few few years.
0: What, would you, what, what advice would you give uh, to, to students at UD who are from other underrepresented groups, uh, you know, Latinx, uh, a young Puerto Rican student? I mean, you mentioned having your best friend come here with you, which I'm sure made things easier. But if you didn't have that, or, or what other resources did you utilize while you were here at UD?
1: yeah um I think it, it, the first piece is is a reminder that about representation is again it's, it's a system um, so I think what happens what happened to me a few times that you just almost kind of felt odd for me to say like I'm Puerto Rican and be kind of proud of it because that my, when I joined um, there was a smaller representation of the university um, that identifies Latinx that identified as black native and I think, it's important that you got to this space even through all the challenges because you know even basic stats it's more more likely you won't make it to college and you will make it to Dayton and of course a lot of that has changed um, thanks to really strong leadership in the few last in the last few years um, but once you're there you almost like for you being you that's your superpower um, in a good way you're, you're gonna be different from the rest and I think that's what you need to leverage um, but it's hard so again build that community um, in my time, it was known as the Office of Multicultural Affairs. Nowadays, it's Multi-Ethnic Education and Engagement Center. I might have had an extra E in there. Oh, MEC. MEC, yes. Um, and it's important. And that was a community that, for me, really helped me anchor on um, identity and what it means. Because it's, it's probably one of the, maybe the first time, at least for me, coming from Puerto Rico, was like I was being told I was Puerto Rican. I was being asked, um, let's say, questions that are a little bit ignorant about myself and my identity um, and it's hard to manage those because then I'm like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> Am I not supposed to be here? Uh, so making sure that you're building that community so you can have that support and walk through those conversations like, hey, I got asked this. And, you know, it's important to one, understand like kind of why that may be happening, what may be happening to the other person and learning how to better equip yourself for, you know, if it were to happen again. Um, but two, making sure that you get to a good space of peace. Um, and it's really hard. I think it's, it's, I still run into that sometimes at work, um, but I think the way going through it at UD um, helped better prepare me how to have those conversations. And now I'm very involved in making, as I said, employee research groups, mentoring uh, and coaching, you know, black and brown uh, uh, employees, the younger employees where I can. Um, So yes, again, find that community. I think it's a very classic UD thing to go back to community, but um, it it really does work and I think that's why and double down levels down so much on it thank you
0: uh, I, I hope that i hope that helps uh, some of our current students and some of our future students as they're as they're thinking about UD. chris i really want to thank you for taking time to to chat with me today uh, i enjoyed catching up with you i enjoyed sharing your experiences with a with the broader audience uh hope you have a uh, a great rest of the week uh look forward to seeing you on campus again hope our hope our listeners have been, have enjoyed this uh and and
1: uh know join us again next time so uh thanks chris and uh go flyers thank you and if you've made it this far that means that you care a lot about dating and you care a lot about the school of business administration so uh reach out sb that email. Uh but any way that you would love to support ud um no for at least i can confirm from my experience the doors are always always open uh from the university so go flyers
0: thanks chris Thanks for joining us
1: for the Business Class Podcast. If you'd like to engage with us further, please follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Facebook accounts all use the name SBA. You can also email the Dean's office with questions or suggestions for future podcasts at sbadean at udayton.edu. No matter where you are on your career path, we are proud that you're part of our Dayton Flyer family.